Welcome back to the 5-7 Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Pre, and today I have on the podcast, and we are going to be talking about a uh, life of a, of a cadet and, uh, and some police stuff, because uh, there's a lot of police stuff going on out there that, um, you know, seems to be a narrative that, you know, uh, the police are all, uh, all bad, and uh, I want to bring it out to everybody that they're not. So, Carlos, welcome to the show. Hey, I appreciate you having me, man. How you doing? Uh, so far, so good. Can't complain too much. Can you, uh, you know, just give us a rundown, like where you're from, the, you know, the whole deal? Yeah, so uh, born and raised Northwest Indiana. Obviously, I've known you for uh, forever and a day, right? So uh, not too many secrets as far as um, personality. So you can probably speak more on my uh, my past, right, and kind of where, where I'm at right now. Um, yeah, big family, Northwest Indiana. Um Lived out there till I was about, wow, it's going almost on uh, 10 or 11 years now. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while since I moved out to uh, Northern Virginia. So, um, came out of here, started a a personal business, um, worked, you know, simultaneously in retail for a long time, and um, uh, really wasn't fulfilled in what I was doing. So, I kind of made a a drastic. choice i guess in my career path and i uh, decided to go into uh, law enforcement i don't think anybody saw that one coming something i've always wanted to do um so uh, currently i am in um a police department here in north uh, northern virginia it's one of the, the i guess you, they consider a prestigious um police department um so yeah i got an opportunity i got in Took about a year to get in, year and a half almost, uh, with all the background checks, and uh, currently on a new path um, in in uh, my beginning stages of getting into law enforcement right now, which is a, a crazy time as as you can uh, as you can probably tell. I get a lot of uh, a lot of questions as to why and uh, do I really want to continue with this? And there's just some crazy stuff I can I can tell you here in a little bit. I'll, uh, my life has changed uh, drastically within the past couple of months um, since uh, starting the academy and kind of how things have progressed um, as the narrative's been changing in the, in the nation. So it's uh, it's, a, it's a weird time, man, for sure. Uh, but it's still something I want to do, and it's um, you know I'll be happy to answer any questions you may have in regards to it. So, um, but yeah, man, it's it's uh, it's definitely. I feel like anytime I get into something, though, it just you know, that's kind of my luck, right? <laughs> it's like the shit in the stick. It's nothing, uh, nothing pretty when you go into it, uh, you know, head head first. And this is definitely one of those times, especially changing career paths. That like I've done retail, uh, retail management, everything about that for for twenty plus years, um, and to get into uh, into law enforcement, especially now, it's just it seems crazy. But like I said, it's something I want to do and. I'm going to see it through. So. When did you start the academy? So I started it in uh, March. So the beginning of March uh, is when they officially kicked off. Um, and it's, it's like paramilitary style. Um, it's it's everything you think a boot camp would be. Um, yeah, man, it's it's crazy. Crazy. So but I started in March. Uh, I have about a month left, month and a half left um, until I'm uh, cut loose, or not cut loose, well, into in the field. But right now, it's it's a six month program with them. Um, it's forty plus hours a week. Uh, it's crazy. Like the objectives we have to complete in order to move on. Um, it's not as easy as people make it seem. I thought it was, you know, what I assumed getting into the police department would be just like, hey, you. You got a clean background. Everything's good. Um, if you're not a, you know, pretty much a dick bag, they look into it, um, and then they'll give you a badge and a gun and throw you on the street type thing. Right. Um, it's it's kind of intense. You go in there. Um, they have tests. They have uh, guidelines that you must meet. If you don't meet those guidelines, you, they'll cut you loose. It could be as simple as a test question or um, like scenarios. You know, they put you through a scenario and. You can't get that shit right. 
yeah, they they'll say, "Sorry, man, this ain't for you. Have a great life." <laughs> that, they'll cut you loose. So. You know, that's good because it kind of weeds out some of the people that shouldn't be there. How long would you say the? Uh, you know, it said you said you took you about a year, year and a half to get in. What is the what is the entrance process like? Because uh, you know, nowadays I think there might be you know people just to give people an idea of what it's like to uh, to get in. Yeah, so it's it's it was a long process to be honest with you. I, I for whatever reason, I second guess myself. I'm like, one, you got to be a certain age. You got to be up to, um, I believe it's 36. Where I'm at, uh, 36 is the cutoff as far as maximum age uh, when you apply. Um, that doesn't mean that they'll cut you off. I mean, if you have other skills and assets, they'll they'll consider it. But more like than not, you got up to 36 years. Um, and then you apply. So basically, it's just like a paper application like anywhere else. Um, they have a lot of information that they ask. They're very detailed um, as to what they want to know about you. You're basically giving them an entry to your your past, man. So nothing's off the table. Um, the paper application process, I think I went through that. Um, I didn't hear back from them for a about maybe a couple months and then they told me like all right um here's the next step basically so you go through a series of uh they put you in contact you really don't have a personal contact it's not like an hr group you know what i mean so it's not like one person so there's different divisions of the police department that cover um like you have a background investigator uh, but that came later on so i guess the first steps is you go in um do a drug test uh, once you do the drug test you uh, have to do a physical assessment to see if you're physically fit to handle kind of what's coming at you um that was a pretty kind of grueling thing they put they strap like a 20 pound vest on you and make you go through this obstacle course you had to complete under eight minutes um once you successfully completed that and you moved on to a medical exam to make sure that you're like kind of fit and then you do um, a lie detector test. Um, you kind of go through that, and they basically ask you everything and anything. Um, you do a psychological exam, um, so you use like 600, 700 questions um, to see where you're at mentally. Um, and then you talk to one of their like clinical, basically a shrink. They analyze everything about you, so they'll ask your past um, if you had any like any thoughts of hurting yourself, any thoughts of hurting somebody else, you know, how do you feel about taking someone's life? Kind of, they analyze everything, but see exactly, you know, are you looking to go and just hurt somebody or are you just, you know, you hear basically, why do you want to be a cop type thing? Um, so the psych eval was there. Uh, once the psych eval passed, they gave you to a background investigator. And the background investigator, um, they asked you for references. And it's, I think it's hilarious because you give them all these references and the way they work, it's, <laughs> they, you give them the references, they'll call that one person and be like, and then they ask that one person, well, who else does he know? And they go through a backdoor channel, right? They don't use your references for a means of, they know you're going to give them the best people that are going to say, hey, yeah, this guy's great, but they don't look for that. They kind of look behind the door like, who else does he know? What's their phone number? You know, they went to my neighbors. Like, I didn't put my neighbors down. They knocked, hey, have you seen any, like, domestic abuse or anything like that? And they asked them questions, like, straight up. Because they can't even tell me. They're like, hey, man, police department came in asking about you. You know, they, they told them, they asked me if you're kind of a douchebag or not. You know, I'm like. Did they say yes? Like, yeah, I think a couple of them know. <laughs> it's too bad they didn't call me. Yeah, no, I was like, I was like, thank you. I was like, I take pre. I'll put you on the list, too. Yeah, that's why they didn't call me. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of glad. The only person I left out was Salinas. Uh, I feel like he's just uh, he's just bad news. Yeah, yeah, he is. He was supposed to be on. He was supposed to be on the podcast tonight, but uh, he had a few other things he had to take care of. Of course, of course. Okay, but no, they they checked around and they they did like an intense background. Finally, when I heard from them, um, and that cleared. It took a little while, and then they said, "All right, well, you're going to meet with so and so." I met with a couple of the officers, did another interview, then I had to wait again, and then they called me back and said, you know, meet with the captain and see what's going on. And at that point, they offered me, but that was a long process, man. That was like a year and a half. 
So nothing was fast. So a year and a half you're doing this, you get to the academy, everything starts up, and then in the middle of this, uh, things start going crazy. At what point in your training were you when um, when uh, the, the George Floyd um, thing t- uh, t- took place, when he was murdered? I mean, so many crazy shit happened. The COVID thing happened, you know, and there was about 54 recruits when we first started. Um, COVID started, and then we went down just because people failed out of different things. So we were at 43, 44. Um and then all of a sudden, you know, the George Floyd thing hit. And then when the George Floyd thing hit, it was, God, we were already close to halfway through um, the academy. So, yeah, about close to halfway through. What did your, what did your, um, you know, your supervisors or your instructors, did they give you like a block of instruction on, on, on what's, what's happening? Or did they, uh, you know, like what, what happened in the, in the training process? So we were, it's kind of funny because we, we all were talking about it as it happened because obviously we all had to watch the news and everybody, anything, there's a lot of different personalities in the academy. There's a lot of different, um, like people and there's just very diverse and you have every kind of, you know, type of politics in there. So it's, it's obviously a, a point of discussion, especially when it comes to police officers. The, the one thing that, that everyone had in common is, you know, obviously how and what happened. So it was a big topic of discussion. I also went in there. You don't really talk about it because obviously, well, I mean, you would know, just like in the middle, you just don't, you don't say anything. People walk in, it's very like, hush, it's the instructor or, uh, but we, this day, um, the lieutenant, the major, the captain, all walked in, and which is very rare to see that much brass, you know, walk into a classroom and they're like, "Hey, look, this is what's going on." They showed us a video of it uh, in um, in the academy. So we're sitting there, and they didn't say anything. They just turned on, they let the thing play in its entirety. We're listening to everything, listening to um, obviously the whole situation going on, the officers, the whole nine yards. And they're like, we, we want to know what you think about it. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Cause they had their opinions, but they wanted to hear what we thought about it, which I thought was pretty cool because, you know, they're like, this is, this is law enforcement. This is what, you know, people are doing that affect everyone. What's your guys' thoughts on it? And everybody was kind of, you know, they were kind of disgusted by it because it was, everybody felt, the same like that was not appropriate it definitely set everything back and you know it was just unfortunate right no one was really like sticking up for the officer as far as like what happened um and then the captain came in and, and the, i'm sorry the major came in and he's like look he's like the moment you stop seeing people as human beings is the moment that you need to stop being in this academy and the moment you need to stop being an officer He's like, because it doesn't matter about, you know, nothing else matters. If you're going out there to prove a point to yourself or to somebody else, you're in the wrong line of work. They're like, we're not in that. We're in, they're like, we're in the people business. And if we can't get in there and, you know, handle situations um, as crazy as they may seem, you know, they're like, they, it was just unnecessary use of force, you know, and they'd be like, it's going to come back down. And that, he was right. He's like, it's going to come back down to his training. They're going to focus on how we're training officers, what are we doing, and it it affects us. They're like, how we train you in here, they're like, is what's going to come out when you're on the streets. You know, they're not going to they're not going to question you for anything else but your training, and if that's what they taught you to do, and how your response is to that. You know, so it was like very somber. I think we talked about it for about two hours, an hour and a half, two hours. And the major was just going in. He was just like, you know what? It takes this this much more to be a pro, you know, just a little bit more to be a pro. And it's just the the, the situation. I think it was unfortunate because it set back law enforcement easily about ten to fifteen years. Because to be quite honest, before that, when the COVID hit, 
they were like, you know, first responders, hell yeah, you guys are out there taking care of shit, handling business and yada, yada, yada. You know, mainly people in the medical field, but, you know, first responders, cops were out there still handling calls every single day. Still patrolling and, and that kind of thing. Yeah, they were still patrolling, doing the whole nine yards, and they were getting a lot of, you know, kudos and George Floyd hit, and they kind of set back law enforcement as a nation back for quite some time. It's going to be a big, it's going to be a big uh, hurdle. It's going to take a while. Not like, but it happens. I mean, it, it, it's in cycles. You know, nine eleven hit. You know, cops were appreciated a lot more. Firefighters, police officers. You know, everybody that was first responders were like put up there on this like pedestal and then all of a sudden you know shit hits the fan and you know someone dies and it's unfortunate and it's something that no one wants and it sets back law enforcement back years years and it really just takes one person man and that's the sad thing about it it takes one person and it really it's a narrative that people put out there and when, when it catches hold, man, it's, it's good. That's it. You're done. Well, you know, that everybody knows who that one guy is, you know, and it comes to a point where, you know, how long are, are people going to ex- accept that kind of thing? You know, you know, you mentioned that um, I think that that police officers need need more training. And obviously from the video, they show, um, you know, they show the officer when his knee on his neck for eight minutes. Now, to be on, I'll be honest with you, man. I don't see anything wrong with the uh, knee-to-neck technique to subdue somebody and get them in cuffs. I don't agree with it for for people to be for an officer to do that for eight minutes or two minutes. It shouldn't take that long because when you have somebody incapacitated like that, um, obviously that's what the what the move is meant to do to incapacitate people. As soon as as soon as the cuffs are on, you know you should you should you should get off the guy. That being said, you know there's there's many videos out there of showing uh, police officers on calls, two guys trying to subdue, uh, subdue somebody, and that guy overpowers both cops, gets to the car and pulls the gun. Um, you know, actually, there's a pretty famous video of of a, of a traffic stop of that happening, and this guy. Um, you know, shooting to trying to shoot at two police officers and then driving away. Yeah, I mean that's that happens. I think there's there's just a lot of scenarios like that that aren't really shared. You know what I mean? Right. Because like officer safety is like you you just don't know who you're getting involved with. Like that's the biggest thing. I I agree that like when it was it became excessive. When the cuffs, basically what you needed to do is get the cuffs on, put them in the recovery position. You had more than enough help there. He had it on them. You should have been off. Like, right. that's the biggest thing. Our training is not, it's to get the handcuffs on, get them restrained, and then put them immediately in the recovery position. Right. And the recovery position, for those that don't know, is like, you need to have your diaphragm open. I, un- right? you, need, you need to have it uncompressed. <laughs> Right. So Without somebody sitting on you, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's a big deal. So, and then when your hands are, you know, when you have no way of doing that because your hands are behind your back and they're hang, you know, your handcuff, you're restrained. And you can't breathe. And you can't breathe. That's a big deal. I mean, I've been put on the floor several times by a bunch of my coworkers and you can feel it, man. Yeah. Like, if you don't get in the recovery position pretty quick, I mean, it's just like getting choked out. It only takes seconds to get choked out. Yeah, it doesn't take long at all. No, and, and you know, eight minutes, like, holy shit, like, that's a long time. Yeah. It's a long time. And then I, you got to get, I don't know, I can't speak for anybody. Like, any, everybody can Monday quarterback every situation, right? Because no one's really been put in a situation. When you're in it and you feel it, it's like, it's a different, it's a different beast because... You're literally your reaction could be seconds, but like I said, it only it only takes a couple seconds to really knock somebody out, right? Yeah. So you got to think quickly. You got to react. You got to still, you know, at the end of the day, you want to go home, right? Right. They want to go home too. So it's just how do you mitigate those circumstances where you're not fucking hitting full throttle and then you know you catch yourself catching a charge or something. I mean. These guys are facing murder charges. I mean, some people, like, 
Wow. And then it's just, each, each, like I say, you can, everybody can Monday quarterback these situations all the time, but no one really discusses those situations where, yeah, somebody goes right back, gets a gun and starts shooting them because they couldn't restrain them. Right. right? Or, you know, and there's plenty of those. I mean, there's obviously a ton of police officers that die in the line of duty every year. I think right now we're at 149 line of duty deaths, you know, nationwide. It's 149. I mean, I don't know the stats of... Um, you don't see that in the in the news. No, but no one discusses it or talks about it because it's not a... One, no one's proud of that. No one's like, hey, another cop died. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but it, it really is about the narrative that, it's, that no one wants to hear, and especially now. No one gives a shit. To be honest with you, I, a cop died. Now. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't think that's necessarily true. You know, I don't like hearing about anybody dying. You know, like especially, um, you know, especially cops that are out there trying to trying to do the right thing. You know, um, so would you say that? You know, with 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 the training that you're getting, and especially with the George Floyd incident, do you think that that has changed your uh, training? Anyways, do you think that it's changed um, the how do you say maybe the scope or the the type of training that you're getting? So um, none of the training has changed at all, um, as far as like they're they're not they're not changing paths because they don't teach they don't teach that. Does that make sense? Like they don't, the training doesn't need to change. And that's the funny thing about it. Like we're going to, the department's going through like trying to really focus on less lethal force and de-escalation, and we're getting like crisis management teams in place and like really focusing on resources, but they've always had that, you know, it's just up to the officer to implement that. Okay. So, so it's more, of, like, it's more of a judgment call then. Yeah, and that's what 99% of your calls are going to be. They're all judgment calls, right. you know? You just don't know. One, it can be as easy as, you know, hey, how you doing? Hey, I'm lost. I need to go there to, you know, it's about to go down. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But the training the training hasn't changed because it's really, you know, you got to use what they're teaching you. If I was to go hands-on with somebody, my goal is to – get the measure restraints as quickly as possible with the least amount of injuries. But at the same time, I'm applying the same force that they're applying back. You know what I mean? So if they're going 110, I need to go 111 to make sure that we're, you know, we make it even, you know what I mean? Sure. So, um, but no, nothing, nothing's really changed. They don't teach that. They're like, they don't, they don't teach you to choke someone out. Right. They don't teach you like to keep your knee on the back. It's, literally get in restrain and then if you need it if you have help or assistance that's all you need they teach you recovery positions they teach you like but why ask officers like i know a lot of officers are in the department now that i, I talk to on a regular basis and they're like nah man like, no, no one shows you how to do that kind of stuff that's somebody taking it to a different level that's their unfortunate judgment call because the training that they receive never showed you how to do that Mm. And I don't think it will ever change to to show you how to do that. But not to say, like, I've talked to several uh, instructors before, and they say, like, look, we used to do palm strikes to the temple, like, knock them out that way. And they stopped doing that, you know. And then they, they at one point in time, would, were doing um, submission holds, like choke outs, like, okay, rear naked choke holds, get them subdued, but they don't do that anymore either. So all they do now is apply enough pressure on you to get your hands behind your back and then slap cuffs and then sit you down. Yeah, the rear naked chokehold is pretty effective if you know how to do it properly. Properly, right. But then, again, in the heat of the moment. That's where training comes in. That's where stress-based training comes in, just so that you can get used to it. And I I think they just ruled it out completely. Like, nope, not doing that. And... Is it good? I mean, anybody can bait that. No, I, I I feel like you need you need those in your back pocket. If you're trained properly on it, I think if you have it in your back pocket in case the shit hits the fan and you can rely on some kind of training like that, and if you're trained properly and you, you practice it, 
And then at that point, you can rely on your training and go from there. But in this kind of climate, man, I don't know if that's even, you don't even want that in there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where do you, <clears throat> so where do you go from here? Um, as far as like when the academy's Yeah, as of, as of now, you're like, you know, where are you moving on from in your stage of training right now? Because you said you have so, a little bit left, right? Yeah, it's got, I got a little bit left. It's um, actually not too much more. Um, a couple more exams. Um, and then, uh, God willing, I graduate in uh, August. And then I uh, move on to what's called an FTI period, uh, field training instruction. Um, and then I would be doing that for three months uh, before I'm quote unquote cut loose on my own. Mm. Um, and then kind of just go from there. Okay. Yeah. It's, uh, I mean, it seems pretty simple, but I mean, it's, there's a lot, a lot of training objectives that still need to be met. Right. Prior to me even getting to graduation. So. I'm taking it one day at a time, man, because that shit's intense. Well, that's that's a, it's an important thing to do because that's I think that's guarantees success. Because if you're thinking about two weeks ahead of time, you know you're forgetting about what's right in front of you. Yeah, no, that's 100 percent sure. Like, yeah, that's just that's just insane. Like, I stop, I stop thinking about graduation. I stop thinking about all that. Stuff. All I know, I, I just need to get past Monday. Yeah, Monday and get past Tuesday, and then get to the weekend, and. Then, Next thing you know, it's another week down, and just keep looking straight ahead. But do you find it? Yeah. Do you find it intimidating at all when you see the news and you see these, you know, pretty much these cops being made example of, and and you know that you're going to be doing that with within six months, you're going to be out there, you know, d- doing the job. Do you do you find it intimidating at all that watching the news and and, and knowing that 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 could possibly be you? Yeah, it's daunting because to be quite honest with you, my actions can cause me to be put away in jail now. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's no longer that, um, that like, oh, you're an officer. We believe you a hundred percent. That's just not going to fly. Excuse me. People are going to question everything you do. And it's, it's that, that scary. It's like, man, if I fuck up, if I fuck up just once, I can literally not only lose my job, but getting some, some serious financial issues, get go to you know court for something, get locked, you know, or get locked up for years based on a decision that you made. Yeah. A routine traffic stop, there's no such thing as a routine traffic, but a, a traffic stop can literally possibly put you in jail, you know, based on your actions. Right. You know what I mean? It's 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 very daunting. Um and but I feel like if, if you keep thinking about you keep thinking about that, then it's going to really impair how you're going to be policing. Does that make sense? Sure. Because I you can't really focus on that because before this shit's always been around, right? No one's really heard of it. There's officers that probably are just douchebags, and you know they they have a gun and a badge and feel like they they lose machismo. You know, it's just yeah. it's. It's just their thing. Like, that's usually, that's up. actually kind of like the stereotypical, you know, when people think of cops, they think of cops like doing that a lot. They don't, they don't picture the cop, you know, playing catch uh, with, a, with a kid on the street. Do you know what I mean? And they don't want to see that. Either, I know. To be I know. Like the, the, the narrative is not, they want to see the cop like actually do community policing and get involved in their community. Like, that's just like completely the opposite of what they're trying to, especially now. You know, no one wants to hear it. If you say anything, if you, you know, all those blue line flags and all that shit, like people have bumper stickers, and those are, you're literally putting a damn target on your back. Yeah. Um, and like they, at, in our um, academy, people were taking pictures of our license plates, taking pictures of the cars coming in and out. Wow. Uh, there were people stationed outside. Um, people were trying to get in. And if they found your car, like let's say at a Walmart, and they knew it had a blue light flag, they would mark it with a highlighter. Um, and people were, and this is just like shit that we heard from our, you know, our captains and tenants and shit. That like, just be careful, you know, make sure you wash your car, make sure you do all, because they're they're attracting people home. Wow. Like, yeah, and it's that's that's scary. That's like, that's really scary. Yeah, you're putting your family at risk. 
because you're trying to help other families and they don't see that because all they see is they think you're gonna they're you're just gonna destroy somebody or kill somebody because that's the narrative now yeah you know and they say like people get pissed off when they hear like 99 percent of the cops are good and you got a couple bad ones and this is that i can speak for like my academy class these guys are gonna be some good fucking cops like they're just gonna be out there you know handling business and taking care of people like right. they genuinely care about people um and it's like it's unfortunate but just like anything man there's gonna be some bad apples i don't think of i can't think of anything um or any group that has everyone chimed in like they want to you know what i mean sure the military has these horrible people uh, take it for instance that girl that got murdered in Texas that she was in the you know she would disappear. Vanessa again. Yeah, yeah, bro. And then it's a it's a it's a horrible not- horrible story. You know her her unit and her, her command completely failed her, and um and it's 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 incredibly unfortunate. It's sickening, and it's just, it's the stories like that that you hear, and it's like you don't want to hear it, right? Right. But now look look how much flack the military is gonna get. Oh, the armies, and and rightfully so, they should because they completely dropped the ball on uh on on the whole thing. Yeah, I mean it's 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 just crazy. It's just the stories like that. Like you want everybody in line, but it's 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 hard. You know, it's hard to keep people. You want everybody to say like, all right, this is what you're gonna do. You're gonna do. You're gonna be an outstanding citizen. This is gonna. I mean, you gotta you gotta walk in and talk it. You know. Yeah. But it's just a different age now, man. It's just a, it, the the media, social media, like it, everything grows so rapid. It happens so quick, you know. And everybody wants something like instantaneously, but they don't realize that no one's really working to to help the situation out. You know what I mean? It's just like like somebody falls and someone's videotaping it, and like the person needs medical attention. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of people that like these cameras. I, I think it's so funny because they don't give you the whole video. They don't. Like, you know, what I mean? you don't know what happened when you got when you get involved in that. I've seen so many like um, cop video, and I stopped watching it because <laughs> it like it messes with your head. Like I've seen so many cop videos that, um, and I, I got a couple of buddies there on on YouTube. They they call me YouTube famous, man. So you go you go in, they get a traffic stop or something happens, they get called, they get called, and this guy's video only takes part of like the last 10 seconds of the, the whole rest, you know, and th- that cop's like chastised forever for it, you yeah. know, because he had pants on or anything. And it's I'm like, well, you don't see that he beat the shit out of his two kids and, you know, ran over this dog and all this other stuff, you know, but you record the last 10 seconds and we're abusing him now. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's controlling the narrative, you know, of of cops being bad guys, I guess, and everyone who gets pulled over is innocent, and you know they they didn't do what they were what you thought they were doing. <laughs> it's crazy. I, I, I saw that. I don't know if you heard that. Well, you saw that, the chop in Seattle. Oh yeah, yeah, that was that was great. I saw a funny a funny video somebody sent me of uh of um you know somebody from there, and they were like you know. Things were gonna were going so well here, you know. <laughs> and, and yet the yet the place was like Mad Max, you know. It was like everybody for themselves. They I think they had some rapper walking around charging, charging businesses five hundred dollars for protection. He was like walking around with an AK forty seven or something like that. Well, yeah, people walk around with guns. People were like raping people, and then they're like, "Hey, things are getting this used to be, this was a, it's a peaceful protest, and you know this is not like Woodstock and the whole thing." Yeah. I'm like, okay, it, I was like, even if that's what you wanted, no police, and they let that happen, right? Right. Yeah, no police, nothing going on, and then all of a sudden, what happened? They tried to develop their own. Right. Like they they, they adopted closed borders, right? The that right. small liberal state adopted closed borders really quickly. Real quick, right? So no one can come in, no one can leave, and all of a sudden it's like, all right, we're if if people are gonna start acting up in here, we're gonna have to take guns 
right? So not, but they didn't take just any guns. They're walking around with yeah. <laughs> AK-47s, AR-15s. You know, they they developed. They, you know, they adopted closed borders, and they and they wanted armed armed security. You know, and, and and it's like, hold on a second here. This is essentially, you know, like <laughs> a, a poor man's version of of a real city. Yeah, it, it was hilarious. Like, because that's the epitome of what can happen in the nation if you know you defund police and you if there's no law and order, and people take it upon themselves to start policing themselves, even though they don't want to call it policing. You know. All of a sudden, people get shot, people get killed over like crazy things because there's no cops. accountability. Yeah, there's no cops. Listen to this. I have. I don't know if you've heard about this, but the, uh, the LASD um, has budget cuts. Um, the LA County of Board of Supervisors voted slashing 145 million from the sheriff's department budget. The county approved a budget that would slash $453 million in county spending to make up for the $940 million budget shortfall with the cuts spread across multiple departments. Okay, now, now this is what they're going to be. This is what's going to happen. The sheriff said that $400 million, um, the $145 million that they're, that they're cutting is on top of the $400 million the sheriff department is already underfunded. Okay. Because of this, they're going to have to get rid of 345 uh, uh, LASD employees and cutting major activities like the Special Victims Bureau, which investigates crime involving children, rape, and human trafficking, Safe Streets Bureau, which is responsible for gang enforcement, the Fraud and Cyber Crimes Bureau, because there's no cyber crimes, right? And, uh, and, and the Major Crimes Bureau. And these were the units that were recommended uh, by the uh, city councils for, uh, t- to get rid of. Now, obviously, human trafficking is a huge problem that nobody ever talks about. The, stati- the, the statistics are, are staggering, okay? Nobody ever talks about them, but it's something that needs to be, needs to be addressed. Obviously, there's there's no gang problems in LA, right? So let's just cut the let's just cut the gang unit because they're not doing anything. There's no cyber crimes, you know. There's no such thing as cyber crimes, and the Special Victims Bureau, which in, which investigates uh, children and rape, you know. Th- yeah, that th- this is unbelievable, and 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 I I don't know where the thinking is wanting to cut these these kinds of programs you know out of everything that that needs to be uh cut you know they're going to cut this kind of stuff how about this let me ask you a question do you think that it would be more feasible to cut say you know um patrolling the the freeway than um than cutting things like uh major crimes i mean yeah, uh, yeah, no. I mean, you, you still need like I, I feel like it. It's a uh, it's a catch twenty two because you still need that enforcement on the roads. I mean, because what people are keep missing is like these departments are there to protect people, right? So it doesn't matter if it's traffic enforcement or if it's you know a major crimes unit. You know, like it's it's the same thing. Ultimately, it's there to protect you know human life. You know, that, that's, you know, everybody calls, talks about the sanctity of life, the sanctity of life. But if I don't stop somebody going at 100 miles an hour on the freeway and puts a family of, you know, hits a minivan and crushes mom, dad, and her, you know, there's six kids. Yeah. It's the same. It's equally as bad as, you know, somebody that you, a major crime unit that's investigating a guy that's been constantly, you know, seeking children. You know what I mean? You can't, you defund one. You, you There's no transfer of, of of police you can't just cut it like it, to me it's very it's a slippery slope right so let's say you do cut that you cut you know people don't think you're trafficking for it don't don't stop me from doing that okay i understand that not well, a good portion of people you know don't really break the law but if you don't if you know that the enforcement's not going to be there anymore how likely are you to break the law kind of yeah, you know, just apply and just say, fuck it, I'm going to keep going. You know what I mean? Yeah. So how much more risk is everybody at now if you do that? Just like when they're cutting down, 
major crimes, all that. I mean, that shit's that's crazy to me. Crazy because it shit. It, it, no one, no one wants to hear or see the bad shit, crazy things that people do. Like we had major crimes unit come out, um, death scene, crime scene, um, just like all these special victims units. We had a, a we have a human trafficking unit as well. Um, they came out and talked to us, and that's a huge problem um, that no one talks about. It that's actually really scary, um, and it's just it's it's nuts to just even think about what they have to face and these little units that take care of big problems like that and to just say hey you know what you guys we, we can't we can't afford you guys anymore you know they don't want us doing this anymore good good luck <laughs> society society will, will work itself it'll, it'll fix itself yeah it'll fix itself there you don't need that you know and then next thing you know timmy's on tiktok you know talking to, to a 40 year old man saying hey Let's meet up somewhere. Right. Uh, uh, New York is also they're They are. Um, they're cutting one billion from the NYPD's budget. Dude, New York is that's that place is that place. New York, Chicago, L.A. I hate to say it, man, but those guys, they bring it on themselves. <laughs> they really do. They genuinely they, they want to appease the very few just to make a statement just to say hey you know what we're taking care of this right but they don't really think about their actions so that's the scary part you know you have a, a shit ton of shootings in chicago a shit ton and then they want to go after you know guns and you know restricting and all that but they fail to realize that the people that have guns are going to get guns no matter what yeah you know that's the problem <laughs> You know, it's like so I got an idea. We're gonna we're gonna impose incredibly strict gun laws that are gonna prevent the average um, the average citizen from making it harder for them to get weapons. But yeah. the the guys who yeah. are walking by killing kids and doing walk bys and drive bys, they're not going to Cabela's to go and buy a <laughs> to go buy a Glock. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They're getting it from they, somewhere they, else. Those serial numbers are scratched off. And- yeah. No one really gives a shit. Like, and, and for New York and all of them to be like, all right, we're defunding the police. I think it's just a statement for the public so they can they feel like, hey, yeah, we're going to do this. But they don't really think about the actions behind it. I just think they're just doing Or solving the, the problem. Just, yeah, just to play to the narrative. Like, hey, look, this is what we're doing. Like, uh, Good job, asshole. So now <laughs> when you're walking down the street in New York, I feel 10 times safer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. what we're gonna do is we're gonna put less cops on the street, okay? Uh, so you're pretty much on your own. But we're also gonna give you such strict gun laws that you won't be able even be able to defend yourself. Uh, there's no way. A- and yeah. and since there aren't as many cops to put out on the street, the cops that we do have are gonna be even more stressed out. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a recipe that. that's that's gonna work. You know, if you do, I, I think they should just go back to like the 1900s. If you need help, just blow a whistle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hope to, and hope to God somebody comes and helps. Yeah, maybe out, maybe we'll be there. You know. Yeah. If if it happens, if, if I'm with an ear blast of it, and I happen to locate you, maybe I might help. It, but you know, I think that even like now more than ever, man, is it's important for people to understand that that they're their their own first response. You know, that they're the ones that are gonna kind of help themselves in a way. I'm not saying taking the law into your own hands. I'm talking about, you know, doing a, um, you know, like a Red, Claw, a Red Cross class and, and, and knowing first first aid, CPR, and AED and, and uh, utilizing your, your Second Amendment rights because everybody has them, you know. Yeah. Yo, gun, I, I, I don't know if you, you, you probably know this, but like I'm, I have a Cabela's nearby me and uh, I went there, I forgot what I was going to get. Um, but as soon as I walked in, the shit was empty. Really? Empty. Line for guns was out the fucking door. <laughs> and I'm in there, and I'm like, this is this is what it's causing chaos. Yeah. Like the people, it's average citizens now. You know, you the narrative is is forcing people to say, hey, you know what? If they do defund the police, if they do take away, you know, this this. And I, you know, they call it a thin blue line, yeah. how it protects everybody. But you know, it's really if they if they take away that, you 
people aren't, they're not going to feel safe anymore. And I guarantee you that's making society even more tense where someone who has no training whatsoever, that's just scared, is going to pull that trigger and more people are going to end up getting hurt by it if they would have just said, hey, this was a horrible, horrible, horrific accident. We're going to take action on the on this officer. You know, it, I think the charges fit because of the severity of it. And then left it at that instead of like this huge movement. And I, and I get it. It became a racial thing, right? Which that's it is what it is, right? But I feel like if you're going to if you're going to go back to the action of it, then go to everyone that had that happen. Because there's plenty of white people that died. There's plenty of Hispanics that have died. There's plenty of you know, people that have died because of an officer, yeah. you know, and it shouldn't be about race. It should be about the action, right? It should be, it should be about bad cops, not, right. not, not, you know, one, problems. one specific demographic of people. I, I, I understand. I mean, there, there, there are some social injustices for, yeah, for, for people, but I don't even want to get into that because that's probably like another hour conversation. Okay. No, no, I I can't percent agree with that. But, but it's just, I mean, you really just, you're, it's making the, the, right now, I feel like society is scared. Yeah. And now that they're scared and they're taken away, um, or they're, they're seeing their local government saying, yeah, we're probably going to defund the police and really don't have a solution to how they're going to handle the society in case shit pops off. They're, they're kind of putting it in their, their citizens' hands, right? So that's why you see the line of Cabela's. I'm pretty, like, I'm pretty happy to hear that there's, that there are more uh, people taking advantage of their second amendment rights. That being said, I highly suggest that if, if you're listening to this and you are a, a new gun owner, first off, your gun should always be in its holster. Wherever it is, it should always be inside of a holster. It's something that I, I, I strongly believe in. And next, uh, you need to get some training. Uh, you need to go out and, 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 and get some kind of training. Shoot Point Blank is a pretty well-known, pretty big, I would say, uh, um, like range type of company, uh, that uh, indoor shooting range type of company, they, and they have classes. I highly suggest whatever you do uh, is, 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 get, is get some kind of training. Yeah, firearm, firearm training. And med. If you go and med. Buy, yeah, if you go and just buy a, a pistol and you think that's just the end all and that's it. It's not. It's really a lot more than that. Yeah, it's, it's, you, you got to be able to be comfortable with it. You got to be able to put a thousand rounds and figure out what happens when shit goes wrong, you know, because it, it is a tool. Sometimes your tool fucks up. You know, how do you. How do you fix that? How do you correct that? And then, you know, you got to be ready, willing, and able. Well, if you have a Glock, you shouldn't have those issues. But it's, yes. it's, not, about the, uh, it's not about the bow and arrow. It's about the Indian. You know, it doesn't matter what kind of gun you have. It, it's, 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 it's more about you. Yeah, and people, like I said, that's the big thing. you got to be ready, willing, and able to kill somebody, right? Like, that's ultimately the goal. It's not to wound somebody. It's not to maim somebody. It's not to back somebody off. When you have that, you that is... The ultimately last resort. You keep yeah. it in the holster. When you break leather, you you better make sure that you have the mental capacity to handle that. Oh, to be able to handle a stressful situation, you know, and be you have the mental fortitude to be like, okay, this is the decision I'm gonna make. Right. I'm gonna have to live with that right, right. now. Right. So, are we doing this or not? Right. <laughs> And yeah, so that's where it comes to training, man. 100% goes to training. And I highly suggest that you don't use leather holsters, you use Kydex. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, in, cl- in closing, Los, um, yeah, we'll, we'll do another one of these maybe uh, six months down the road after you've you know, uh, cut your teeth out on the street and, uh, and had some time doing the job. Uh, but uh, in, in closing, do you have anything that you want to say? Um, you know what? To be honest, I... I I think what we discussed kind of just puts everything out there. Um, I do want everybody to believe that, or uh, I guess take away the fact that there's a lot of people that really want to do the job and really want to be out there to help people. It's really not about um, the power. It's about being able to 
really provide a good service and, and keep everything in line. There's there's rules and regulations there for a reason. Um, and police officers really, for the majority that I can speak of that I've come in contact with, they just really want to do a good job and make sure everybody's safe. You know, that's kind of what it comes down to. There's, there's really not much more to it than that. I, I got into this because it's something I've, I've always wanted to do. And um, I want to put my, my fingerprint out there and help society and, um, not more than ever. I feel like if if you want to make a difference in policing and you feel like there's an injustice, that they're hiring, man. <laughs> they're hiring and they're hiring a lot of people. And if you feel like you can handle that and you want to make a, a change in, in society, apply, sign up, start your local you know law enforcement, and you know make policing yours. It really comes down to the people that they get in there. So um, that, that's that's pretty much. How I see law enforcement now, I think it's gonna, it's a trend that I hope changes soon. Um, that I hope everybody kind of gets, gets a, a good. I want them to get a good taste of like law enforcement. You know, that's the biggest thing, and it really comes down to the people and uh, really the officers you meet, talk to them, man. Figure they figure, you know, find out why they got into it, what they're doing, what was their best experience, what's the worst experience. A lot of the times, the guys that are out there. Man, they just had probably came off a horrible call that you can't even think of, and they might be shitty and salty because they've seen kids dead, they've seen um, you know family members torn apart by you know we're we're there on that person's worst day. You don't see a police officer on a good day. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like hey, how's it going, officer? It's probably the worst day of their lives, um, and to be able to. I guess help them through it or be the beginning process of a of a good situation it really comes down to the officer. So like I said, right now, difficult times. I can't speak for everybody, but I mean if you want to make a difference, always apply. I know they're looking and you know, that's pretty much it, man. There's really not much more of that. I appreciate you having me on. Yeah, no problem. Uh, it would definitely uh get together soon uh, on a personal note and, you know, do this again. Yeah. And I think I speak for everyone out there. Do not, um, you know, if you know a scumbag cop, don't let them just, just, uh, hide in the cracks, you know, let them know about it or, or let's let somebody know about it so that, you know, these guys aren't, aren't walking around and they don't ruin it for our, for the good cops. Sure. All right, brother. Well, you take care of yourself, man. Thank you for being on the show. That's all we got for you tonight, guys. Everybody take it easy. Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. This is Pre out. Mm-hmm.